All right, welcome to another episode of Weedworks. Today's episode is going to be with Chad DeLauder, and he is a corporate loss prevention manager at a West Michigan cannabis company. It's one of the bigger ones. And Chad is pretty active on LinkedIn, and he seems to be a pretty good steward of people. And so I wanted to talk to him. I think that he has a unique position in the industry, and he's a little bit higher up on the on the totem pole. So I'm curious to know how long he's been with this company and how he got in, why he got in. I mean, you guys know the drill, the questions I'm going to ask, you know, what what's his story, what's his background. Good, bad, ugly, all the things that may help you get a job in the cannabis field. So let's get on the phone with Chad and find out what his story is. Here we go. Hi, Chad. Okay, hello. Hey, how you doing? All right, perfect. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk to me and to talk to the listeners about your experience and and how you got into cannabis. So thank you. Yeah, happy to happy to discuss this. Very, very, uh, very energizing topic for me over the last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're super active on LinkedIn, giving you know little quips and practical advice, and also like inspirational stuff. And I'm like, yeah, this is a guy that seems to care, and you have a pretty unique position within the industry. So I thought it'd be good to get your perspective. I think that without naming names, we know we probably know some of the same people at Myers. Okay. Very yeah. good. My, yeah. it, you know, retail and loss prevention for that matter, but retail is a small world and you, you see the same names, the same faces and over the last 20 years. I've probably worked with the same people at least two or three times. And, and that's, that's, that's not surprising to hear you say that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and probably unsurprising to you people in, in your line of work are very private. They are. <laughs> it, it, no, no, that's, that's a great, that's a great word to use for people in my line of work. And that's why you'll see a lot of quote unquote introverts mm. that work in loss prevention and safety. It goes hand in hand with the work. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting because like it, it took a long time to get to know some of these people. And then once I did, it was just, there's no, there's no barriers or anything. It's just kind of like once you're in, you're in, but it takes a long time to get in, not only because of the, the line of work, but also the, the mindset too. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's great to hear someone say that because unless you do the work, but like, especially as long as I have, um, it's something that you have to come to terms with. It's not something you're really taught. It's something you learn as you continue to do the work. Yeah. Yeah. Tough nut to crack for sure. <laughs> uh, well, uh, so how's your day been going? I just got off my motorcycle about 10 minutes ago, I did 200 miles this morning. Uh, what have you been, what have you been up to? Day for that. Beautiful day for that. Yeah. Man, I, was, I was outdoors yesterday working on the yard and I mean, we are kind of doing some remote work right now because of the, uh, the recent hand down from the governor. But um, I've been traveling a little bit today. I've been working from home, uh, just catching up on some of my administrative duties and catching up on some of my projects. It's, it's nice to have the opportunity to sit down and catch up on, you know, multiple projects I have going on right now mm. and to be able to close out some of that stuff with my peers and, and some of the people I work with. Yeah. Yeah. How do you like, I mean, how do you like remote 
remote working, working from home? It's not bad. I mean, it's not as effective as face-to-face because we have a corporate office down in the city of Troy Hmm. that normally we would convene when I first started on Mondays and sometimes on Fridays. And it's it's more personable to be able to sit down with people and talk to them face-to-face. You get more done. Where now I'm trying to track people down. I'm always trying to track somebody down, whether Hmm. it's through a phone call or email or text message or trying to set up Zoom meetings. It's just not as user-friendly, but at the same time, I do get the convenience of being able to, to work from home. So there's kind of a trade-off. Yeah. Yeah. For, for me, it's been a boom, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm, I, I can just go boom, 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 you know, just meeting, meeting, meeting. But I will say that, you know, five, I had a five and a half hour Zoom block this week. And I got to, right. yeah, I feel like someone beat the crap out of me. I was just, I just <laughs> ran out of my studio and was like, if I never go in there and look at a computer again, that'll be great. I hate this. <laughs> but, well, that's, that's kind of the price to pay for remote work is you definitely feel like you're watching paint dry as you're sitting in front of your laptop. Mm, yeah. Scheduling is everything when it's it absolutely. W- without that half an hour break to go to the bathroom, get another coffee, something, then that's when it gets brutal is when there's no breaks in between. What is your title and what is your role in the, yep. in so, the industry? So my, yep. My title right now is corporate loss prevention manager. So I'm assigned to the corporate office of Bloom Cannabis based out of Troy. And my job is to build a program from scratch from day one on promoting integrity, promoting safety, promoting compliance standards, physical security standards and keeping this company honest in an industry where there's so much opportunity for dishonesty. And unfortunately still having a stigma attached to this, to this product we sell, um, keeping this company moving in a direction of success. And it's, it's been a lot of fun. I'm, I'm really enjoying working with these people on, um, that I call, you know, friends, I call peers every single day mm-hmm. Seeing it and seeing this company where it is today. You know, if you would have told me a year ago or heck, two years ago that I'd be working in the cannabis industry, man, <laughs> I probably would be laughing at you just, just because it wasn't where it is now. And, you know, I knew Michigan passed legislation. I knew that there was going to be dispensaries in the area. I knew that marijuana was going to have a change. I knew all that was coming. What I didn't know is I was going to be a part of it. <laughs> Here we are. And I'm having an absolute blast. Yeah. And I hear you on that. I I never anticipated participating in the industry myself. I would <laughs> been the last thing I would have thought. But so what drew what drew you to it? Why? Why cannabis and well, not anything else? Well, no, that's a good, that's a good question. So the first thing, and, and let's 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 face it, it, it's a it's a position where a guy like me who has been in this job forever an opportunity to take what I've learned and see what I was made of. I really wanted to see what I was made of to be able to build my own program from scratch from a corporate perspective to be able to say, you know what, this is going to be the product of, you know, who knows how many years of groundwork and, and establishing policy and procedure that I'm implementing myself to someone in my line of work. That's, that's an enormous opportunity, and I couldn't I couldn't turn it down. So when I saw the job posting, you know, naturally I spoke with my wife, I spoke with my family, I spoke with 
my peers admire and say, hey, you know, what do you guys think about this? And, of course, it was kind of a 50-50 split. Some people are like, oh, man, go after it. That's a great opportunity. And other <laughs> people are like, eh, you know, it's an unknown. You're getting yourself into a position where you might be out of a job in a year. <laughs> the water is just not worth it. And I made a choice. I made a choice to apply. I made a choice to interview. And luckily, I was selected for the job. And looking back, I, I made the right choice. And, and I, I'm, I'm not going back. I'm not going back to where I was a year ago. I am here to stay, and I'm here to see where this is going to go. Yeah, that's interesting. So why why did you choose the company that that you work at now? Why why there and not anywhere else? Nope, I'll tell you why. Number one, it's the people. Um, everybody in this company, and I can uh, it's it's incredible, Matt, to be able to go to work and look forward to going to work. Mm-hmm look forward to seeing the people that I work with day in, day out. There's so much energy in this, in this company with all the way down from the CEO to the field leadership, to the store managers, to the sales team, everybody is excited to be here. And that is not something that I have experienced in a very long time. Mm. That level of excitement to know, you know what, number one, and, and, and I'm going to tell you right now, we have a lot of passionate cannabis people that work for Loon, people that just live and breathe, eat, sleep cannabis. And this is their world. This is their livelihood. And they just love the fact that they get to come to work and be a part of this industry from, from, from the ground up. And that's the environment everywhere at Loon, from store level to the corporate office and everywhere in between. That's the level of energy I get to experience everywhere I go. How, how can you how can you not want to be a part of that? Yeah, and and that was something I experienced during my interview process, and it it made my decision even easier when they offered me the job. Mm. Yeah. So, talk to me. Where where was Loom at as far as you know? Was it the the founders and the CEOs and and that was the team? Or was it already established and rocking and rolling? Like, where did you come on board in the process? Yep. So we already were in the process of building and opening around, I want to say, two or three dispensaries. Our, our, our dispensary in Everett was already established. Mm-hmm. We are in the process of opening up our dispensary in the city of Owasso. And we already had one up and running in Kalamazoo. So there was only a few businesses up and running from the retail setting. The corporate office was probably no more than a handful of people at the time, key positions, operations, human resources, logistics, and then, of course, loss prevention. But it wasn't anywhere near where we are today. You touched on the stigma, that, and yep. it sounds like you had a kind of a split split ticket with yeas and nays. Yes. What sort of concerns, what sort of reservations did you have about moving into this sector? No, good question. So looking at my experiences, you know, I I never really had, and I have no problem admitting this, I never really had any positive experiences with cannabis, never really had any positive experiences with people that smoke cannabis. You know, I, unfortunately, most of my experiences were either due to retail fraud incidents, people going to jail, and just never really had the chance up till now to see the positive benefits or the, you know, the medical side this product so i came in with you know open eyes but still an idea that you know what i'm hoping 
that my opinion will change on this based on what I had to previously deal with in, in my in my you know earlier endeavors. I just never had a positive experience with cannabis or, or marijuana, whatever you want to call it, just simply because of the elements that I was exposed to with my previous career. So yeah. it, just never, it never put me in the right limelight up until I worked the loop. It's really interesting, Chad, in that I've had a similar experience, not with seeing the negative, but just for me, it was a business. And I was like, cool, I can make money. Sweet. And, <laughs> and then I, what I saw was the way people were treated by the caregivers of the time and by the dispensaries of the time. And I went, you know, for people that are, are claiming to be true believers and compassionate access and all that, they don't, their actions aren't congruent with what they're saying. And I went, well, you know, from a, a pragmatic business perspective, consistency is the key to success. And I could probably take all these people's business if I just do it consistently. And if I treat people well, and that's good. That's good point. And, and what happened was I went from, it's pay me a clock to, I started seeing people healing or people benefiting in, in a multitude of ways. And I went, Whoa, this is cool. Like I can make money hand over fist and that's great, but I can also yeah. do good for, for people too. And that it took, it took some time for me to, to kind of key into that. So I can relate to you on that. And there are, there are quite a few other people that have had similar perspectives where they've, they've been, out on the outside of, of cannabis, of the true believer circle or the people that drank the Kool-Aid of cannabis. Absolutely. And then after time it changes. And so what was it for you that, that switched in your mind? Is there a specific instance or Not was really it? Not really a specific instance, but just more of a, a change of culture for me. You know, when, when, when you're exposed to people that again, see this from the other perspective of medicine, of, you know, this is, this is a natural entity. This, this is a wonderful product for our customers, for our patrons, for our patients. When you're around that 24 seven, you can't hope, you can't help yourself, like, you know, absorb that positiveness. And then of course, with the customer, you know, I'm, I'm in the retail stores all the time yeah. and, and you see these folks staying and speaking, you know, to, uh, to the sales team, to the leadership team saying, you know, look, you know, if it, if it wasn't for this product, I wouldn't have gotten this job. If it wasn't for this product, I probably wouldn't be alive today. Mm. If it wasn't for this product, you know, I, I wouldn't be the parent that I am right now because it helps me see things in perspective. It helps me get through the day. I mean, there are people who literally use our product, Matt, just to get through the day Yeah, because they don't have the the social capabilities or the mental capabilities because whatever reason to, to handle the pressures of life without the product that we offer. And that's incredible. Yeah. And that's, and again, that's something I've never experienced. And to me prior to Lumen, it was, oh, I'm just going to go get high. And that's how I always mm. thought. I'm just going to sit around and get high all day where now it's, I need to go get my medicine. I need to, I need to get what I need for myself to put myself in a better position for life. And, and that's exactly what this is doing. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's most certainly it's, it's something where people have to see it to believe it. It has someone close in someone's close circle has to start benefiting from cannabis. That's what changes hearts and minds. Yes. It's not, it's not the, that Matt Hoffman and, and Chad are having a podcast. We're not changing minds and hearts, but <laughs> it's, it's when grandma starts using a tincture or a sob and it helps yes. her sleep better. That's Absolutely. That's what moves the needle. And 
the stigma is so real with 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 everything across the board with consumption with walking into dispensaries or are there still people that won't that that just don't want to go into the stores to be seen at the stores no they don't and there's quite and, a few and to this day you know we've been around for going on a couple of years now there are still customers who can't believe it customers <laughs> they're just they still question is is what i'm doing okay is this okay yeah and it's okay come on in we welcome them in all the time yes it's okay come on in you're safe you're good but to this day, there are people that are walking up to the door and you can see they're just skeptical. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it's still relatively new and the industry is moving so fast. And at times it, we're not doing ourselves any favor by, by moving as quickly as we are. And yeah, other times it's, it's, I've never seen anything. I don't think anybody's ever seen anything like this except for maybe the dot com boom. But with that, it wasn't it wasn't an overall opportunity for everybody. You're right, absolutely. Your your job is is this something that you said, hey, this is what the company needs. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take on these roles. Or was it something that they said, Chad, we need X, Y, and Z. Can you do it? It was a very general job description that you would probably see in any corporate executive loss prevention role. Here are our expectations. However, the implementation was all based on my own discretion, based on my own creativity, based on my own observations of what I thought were the challenges in this industry. So it was a very vague job description, but the implementation was all based on my own ideas and creativity. Speaking for myself, that was the major draw to this in that I could sink my teeth and claws into this thing and fight with it. It's not easy to figure out, but it's yep. also, I have a hand in shaping what my work, what my work and what my world looks like and the industry. And and that, it sounds like that moved the needle for you as well. Like that you could shape your environment. Is that true? Absolutely. You know, and, and the great thing is I don't, I don't give directives. I don't give orders. I give recommendations. Here's mm. what I recommend. And luckily for me, I work for people that understand that if I'm giving a recommendation, it's being carried with over 20 years of experience. So if I'm giving a recommendation, you know, 99.9% of the time, it's also saying this is the direction we should probably go based on the situation. And, and luckily for me, I work for people that say, absolutely, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And it's something that leads into my next question of you. It, it sounds like you have a fantastic culture. And so did. how did that come about? And, and what do you do to, to perpetuate that culture? So a lot of it has to do with their very high standards for the folks that they select for leadership and corporate positions. They're very selective. We get a lot of resumes. We get a lot of folks that come in for interviews. But out of that, it's, it's a very fine-tuned process as to who we are going to hire for various roles. So Ooh. they're very selective. That's let, me, let, let, me, let me cut in here real quick. Is that, yep. is that something where the corporate team gets together and you guys kick the tires on somebody and you say yes or no, or is there some hiring methodologies or some hiring psychology or is it a mix of both? A little bit of both. Mm. So we, we like to all be exposed to potential candidates for corporate positions because let's face it, you know, the corporate team is, is the support team of the company. Yeah. And so you want to have the right people in the right positions. So yes to your, your first question. 
And yes, to your second question. So part of the process also involves taking them out into the stores, meeting the store leadership, mm. meeting the sales teams to see how they, you know, how they interact with one another. If, if they have the capabilities of being able to Johnny on the spot, you know, get in there, shake hands, <laughs> let people know, you know, who you are, what you do. And that's, that's the kind of person we're looking for. Someone who has the energy to keep up. Mm, yeah. And then, and then, and then my involvement in the culture is a lot of my experiences working with, you know, people that worked for me in the past. You know, I've had bosses that I, to this day, I could say, you know what, I learned a lot from this person. And I've had bosses where I could say, yeah, that's not, probably not how I would do things if I was in that room. <laughs> and so a lot of my experience, Matt, is through trial and error. And so number one, I love to praise in public. I love letting people and everybody and their brother know how great this person did. Mm. And then number two, I always offer that developmental feedback in private. I never offer anyone feedback in front of their peers. I always do it in private. But part of that culture is praising in public and letting someone know, hey, that was an outstanding job. Keep up the great work. And that is the kind of culture I try to create when I'm visiting stores. Yeah. I, and, you know, I think what you're talking about is trust. And so it, what are ways that are tactics that you develop trust with new hires or with your peers? I make it personal. You know, mm. I try to be as personal as I possibly can. You know, when, when I first got in this job 20 years ago, I was a cocky little 20, 20 year old, <laughs> 20 year old criminal justice student that <laughs> you could be, I couldn't be told I'd do my job back off. Well, unfortunately for me, I also met my, my match when I was introduced to the regional loss prevention manager of the company I worked for many years ago. And he looked at me like I was just some kind of peon. <laughs> like, who are you? I don't know you. Get away from me. And so I didn't want to be like that. Mm. And as I, as I continued my career in loss prevention, I wanted to be more personable. I wanted people to be able to approach me. I wanted people to be able to want to talk to me. I didn't want them to run away. I want them to talk to me. And that's, and that's how I've always been, whether you're a greeter, whether you're getting cards for a living, whether you're taking out the trash, or whether you are the store manager of, of the location that you're assigned to, I try to be as personable as I can with the new hires, with the folks that have been there for years. I want people to have the ability to come up to me at any given time and say hi to me. And I, I say shake my hand, but of course, of course, but I try to make it as personable as I possibly can so people understand that, yes, I'm from the corporate office, but I am no better than you. I am just in a different position with this company. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that that's, that's so huge in doing that in a, a genuine way. And, and people have a nose for fakers. If someone is just going through the motions of like, Hey Bill, how's it going? It, <laughs> yeah. You know, it, when teams get big, it's hard to keep track of everybody. And that's, that's just reality. But I think it's just being an authentic and a genuine person. And so do you think what, do you think the culture that you guys are creating at Loom is being replicated at other companies or? I hope, I hope it is. Mm. I mean, I'd like to think it is, but you know, I don't, I don't have too much exposure to other companies. I mean, I do belong. We just recently started a Michigan cannabis security leadership group. Oh, cool. So reached out to a few members of, similar fashion that do similar work for other companies. And, and we're, we're starting a monthly meeting where we get together. You know, we talk about the challenges in cannabis. Shop we talk. talk about, 
we talked, yeah, shop talk, and we talked about our, our, our working relationship, you know, with the MRA and, and some of the things that go hand in hand with our job. And so there's some exposure to the internal workings of other companies from a security standpoint, but you know, with regards to culture and all that stuff, I, unfortunately, I just, I would like to think that I just don't have that information. Yeah. Just because I, I talk to everybody. <laughs> um, there are a few that are just doing it right. And you're, you're without a doubt at one of them. I appreciate that. Thank you. And it seems to me that Michigan in general is kind of like the blue ribbon of, of cannabis employment where a lot of the nasty stuff that seems to happen out West, Oklahoma, California, maybe not so much Colorado, but maybe a little bit of Colorado doesn't really happen here. And it seems that between the MRA, between the businesses that are here now and the communities, the type of things that happen out West don't, they won't be tolerated here. And, You're absolutely right. and I think that, you know, as, as my perspective has, has widened, I've sort of realized what a special place Michigan is because of that. And it seems that the companies that were, got through the gate first did a good job of being really intentional about, they were the reputation setters for the entire industry. I, I would say by and large, it's been positive. And I'm sh- I'm sure there are shitty shops without a doubt. I'm sure there are. I, oh, yeah. I haven't yeah. heard of, I haven't heard of them yet. Um, but I'm, sh- I'm, and I'm sure there are, but by and large, it seems to be a very positive thing. And I want to touch back on something you said earlier about going into work where you're stoked to be there. Yeah. And the, the great thing about cannabis is nobody is in cannabis that doesn't want to be there. Yes. It's, it's not a coal mine. It's not, it's not a GM part supplier factory. Yep. It's not a hellhole where you're there and you just, there's no other opportunity. It's, <laughs> it's something where people have more often than not gone out of their way to get in and they're excited. And that's, that's fantastic. It is. It's a great feeling. You know, when I, when I meet new folks still to this day, cause we're, we're expanding statewide and some of these folks that, that we're bringing in, I mean, a lot of these folks are just here because they want to be a part of it. They have no experience in cannabis. They mm. might have some retail experience. They just want to be a part of it because they also sense the energy. And that's awesome. Yeah, which you led right into my next question is, what does it take to work in cannabis? It, it, number one, you got to have an open mind. Don't come in with the mindset that this is going to be a singular entity of just selling weed. Mm. That's, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want people to come into this industry thinking, oh, you can, yeah, this is all about selling weed. No, it's not about selling weed. Anybody can sell weed. <laughs> right. <laughs> it sells itself. <laughs> this, this, yeah, yeah. This is, about, this is about being a part of something that is beyond ourselves. You know, we have, we have two phenomenal growers that work in our cultivation center up in Everett. That these guys, Matt, these guys have forgotten more about cannabis than I'll ever know. <laughs> okay. And, and I have no problem admitting that. But those two guys are the quintessential examples of what cannabis is all about. And, and what these guys can do with cannabis is just mind blowing. But to come into this industry, that is the very best case scenario of what can turn you can turn into if with hard work and dedication in this industry. But I guarantee when those two guys first came in here, came in this industry, I guarantee they came in with an open mind. Mm. You got to come in with an open mind of, of, of what you're doing, what you're getting yourself into. But 
an open mind of absorbing and learning more about this industry. I've, I've, I've been in retail 20 years, but I've been in cannabis for going on a year. And I've learned more in the last year than I can tell you right now. I've learned more in the last 10 years because I was just going through the motion. Mm. Because loss prevention, I know a ton about loss prevention. But I wasn't really learning enough to challenge myself as much as I have in the last year. Uh. And so the cannabis industry has forced me to learn more about myself as a leader, about a, myself as a person, as well as the industry at hand. And I can't say I'm a cannabis professional, <laughs> but I have learned a great deal more about it by being exposed to people like those two guys I mentioned to you that work out of our cultivation center that are just balls of energy and a wealth of knowledge. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And I've, I'm sure you've met them too. I've met all the best growers in the world. Every almost every grower I talk to is the best. Um, and I just, I laugh because the, the guys that have the egos, whether they're great growers or not, they're not going to get hired because sure. that type of attitude just doesn't, it doesn't work. And You're absolutely right. to be honest, I know some of the best growers in the world and they are the most knowledge hungry people that I've ever met. It's fantastic to see people seemingly at the top of their game, still hungry to learn more. Yes, and, and the phrase that, the phrase that they use at cultivation is, "This is just the tip of the iceberg, Jeff." <laughs> we have just scratched the tip of the iceberg of the capabilities of what our product can do for people. Yeah, and you know, just just ranting here for a second, you know, as a, as a grower, that's that's where I got my start. You know, it was it was a different time. You know, oh, back back in my day, uh, <laughs> it was. It was learning in a vacuum. You know, there was a couple books from Ed Rosenthal and Jorge Cervantes. Nobody was saying anything on the internet because that's how you, you go to jail. And, and so it was very hard to learn the craft. And it took, it took me a long time because I was learning in a vacuum. And I think the guys that came, came up around my time or before me, the guys that get it are excited because they can learn they can openly talk to other people. It's something that's no longer clandestine. It's no longer hidden in the shadows. It's something that we could go and, and talk about and be proud of and also collaborate with others and learn sure. from others. And I think that that's the most exciting thing for me. If I was, if, if I was ever going to work in a garden, um, the fact that I wouldn't have to figure everything out myself, I think that's the most exciting part. Yep. That's a great point. Yeah. Um, you know, so listening to you talk, you know, you've, you've only been in cannabis for a year. Yeah. I, I ask everybody this. So where do you want your career to go? Where do you see it going? Uh, well, right now, I would like to see my career going towards a position of I've already done the loss prevention thing. Man. I can't. I can't say that there's there's much more to accomplish yeah. from loss prevention and safety that I've already accomplished. I've been there, done that. Yep. But now in this position, I would say I I, I don't like to use this word because I've never been one of these. But I'm I can I'm turning myself into a quote unquote advocate, and oh. it, I'm myself into a, into a position of where now, even though my position is to promote integrity and, and, and deal with, unfortunately, the ugly side of retail, which is theft and fraud, I'm now also 
turning myself into a promoter of, of cannabis and, and turning myself into a promoter of, of what it is that we do for our community. Mm. And that would be something that I would like to see myself continue to build on is my ability to sell the product from, from a marketing standpoint, from a productive standpoint, from a positive standpoint in a way that I've never done before. And that, that right there, that right there puts me in a position of some very uncomfortable things because I've never had <laughs> like that before, but I'm seeing myself move in that direction because now that I'm working in this industry, I'm defending it. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm backing it up. I'm, I'm, now the voice of opposition to those that are saying, oh, we don't want this crap here. Oh, we don't want you guys here. We don't want your kind here. Mm -hmm. and, and now I'm on the other side of this spectrum saying, well, wanna hold up. Wait a minute. Let's talk about this. And that's a very interesting position for a guy like me to be in. And so outside of my realm of loss prevention, that's, that's, that's who I am. That's what I do. I'm starting to see myself develop another side of myself that was never there before mm. simply because I have kind of quote unquote seen the light, if you will. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a part of me that I would like to see continue to grow. Yeah. That, that's a really interesting point in that it seems that loss prevention is the vehicle that got you in the door and, and it's what you do now. Yes. And I, I've had a, a very similar experience where I, I had a vehicle that got me in and, and that's what I did. But in, in the same way, I went, you know, I've, I've owned a dispensary. I've run a champion caliber grow at scale for years. I've got that down and I'm bored and <laughs> I want to do something else. I mean, it took me a decade to figure it out, <laughs> but sure. I don't, I, I, I don't want to be in a garden. It's a, I know how to do it. it. Let's do something else. And so I think the cannabis industry is something interesting where the vehicle that gets you in more often than not is, is left and a person evolves as their interest or, or as the industry needs. And yes, I, I love that there's that broad of an opportunity that the place is that malleable where, you could go from a longstanding history in corporate loss prevention and leadership and then go into advocacy. And it's yes. like, what do they have in common? Nothing. <laughs> nothing absolutely nothing. And that's why it, it, it took me a minute to say, I'm, I'm actually going to say this out loud. This is, this is the direction I'm actually heading, which a year ago was not my intention. My intention was coming here from all loss prevention, which is still my full-time job. But with my job came an evolution of other things. And that's very interesting to me. Yeah. And w on a personal note, what I've found is I draw from my, my expertise. I, I draw from it, from my time at growing and running a business. I use it all the time. I don't do those activities anymore, but it gives me a unique perspective because I, because of what I did in, in the past. And I think that, as time goes forward, you'll draw from that wellspring of, of your degrees and your, and your decades of experience. That's important because we've, we've all heard the argument of this is good. This is righteous. We've heard that. Yes. It's the new arguments are the ones that draw the inroads. And then also it's, you could work with legislatures or lobbyists 
or policy advisors, you could say, we need to consider this facet that only maybe you know because it's some subtlety or some nuance that only you would know because that's that was your line of work. Sure. And so that's how smart policies get made. So I think that's I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Cool, man. Go get it. <laughs> so what are the challenges that you face at your job? Well, yep. Good question. So a lot of the challenges, to be honest with you, have nothing to do with the state of Michigan or the MRA. Those guys are actually outstanding folks. Yeah. I love working with these guys. I agree. I'm, I'm on the phone with these guys every week on different things going on in the company. And to be honest with you, I give the MRA all the kudos in the world. Yeah, definitely. Um, so most of my challenges, to be honest with you, Matt, are coming from the local ordinances. Mm. That's where the influence, that's where the opportunity for the stigmas, that's where a lot of our challenges are right now in the cannabis industry is the local authorities, the local councils, the local city attorneys, the local folks mm. that are dealing with us day in, day out. Yeah. And the more influence that I can help with, again, going back to the advocate part of my job, that seems to be what I've been spending a lot of time on the last few months is going to some of the local council meetings and sitting down with some of the local city attorneys because of, unfortunately, the, the small population of folks who don't want to see this industry succeed. So they come in with complaints. They look for reasons to mm-hmm. throw them under the bus. You know, they look for anything and everything to say, you know what? I saw somebody from Loom Cannabis not wearing a mask when they should be wearing a mask, not knowing the situation. And this, and then the correspondence comes out, you know, and then we have to deal with that. And so it's been nonstop battling for me, at least to deal with some of the local communities in a matter that will help them understand, look, this is a transition for us as well, not just you guys. We are, we're trying to legitimize and, and turn an industry that has been a stigma for so long into a positive entity that, yes, there's going to be some trial and error. Mm-hmm. And again, that's not coming from the state at all. It's coming from local communities. So the more work we can do to help build that positive image in the local communities, I think it'll be better for us in the long run. We're not just Loom, but cannabis in general. Right. And yes, at, yes, absolutely. That, yes, it is. It, yes, it will help Loom. Heck yeah, go get it, Loom. But also, more municipal opt-in on medical, because it needs to start with medical. That's the priority. Yep. That makes it so people don't have to drive two hours and then stand in line to get their medicine. That's, yes. frankly, that's bullshit. And it is. It is unrepresentative of what the will of the people was when they passed medical and when they passed recreational. And so it's something that I I worked as a lobbyist for a number of years and as a municipal lobbyist. And so, you know, when you were saying you're going and meeting with the attorneys and, you know, (laughs) I I know the drill. I do. And you can't just roll up like a cowboy or a hero and just say, I'm Matt Hoffman. I'm here and I'm going to fix everything. Because nobody take nobody would take me seriously. Absolutely. But also, if if I stood up in a public meeting and I said I'm Matt Hoffman and I want you to opt into a favorable medical marijuana ordinance, all hell would break loose. And so yeah. there's all sorts of things that go into it. But what I found is the worst thing that could happen is having a rabble at a, at a small township meeting 
where people are yelling and, and screaming at the board members. Yes. That turns them off so fast, but it does. what it is, is it's just relationship building. It's spending the months and, and time just getting to know the people and just having conversations and saying, look, I'm not a scary monster. I'm, I'm different than you. And I'm here to talk to you because if we wanted to, we could just go run a ballot initiative and cram this down your throat. We, we could, <laughs> or we could just talk about this and yes, yes. the amount of time that goes into this. And I, I love the MRA is putting together a cohort of, of municipal leaders that can talk to each other in their own sandbox. And I think that if you're looking for an ally, then Jerome Bustle down in Morency, there isn't, there isn't a better example, a, a more shiny champion of a municipal leader that, that fully embraced cannabis and has had an enormous positive cascade of things that have happened because of that. And so very good to know. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to connect you with him. I'll 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 do that as soon as we jump off. Yeah, Jerome is he ran for the city council a few years ago on on a cannabis platform, and won. And wow. he wasn't he's not just a one issue guy. He's he genuinely believes in the betterment of of his community, and they're right they're right there on the Ohio border, and they've got God they I, I misquote this every time, but it's like 80 acres of of just compounds of multiple cannabis businesses, there, grows processors, all of it. They, they have so much ac- economic activity in this town and it's so small. They don't even have a McDonald's, which is saying, oh you know, that's really saying something, um, <laughs> but they don't have houses for all the people that are coming to work there. The, the construction people, the consultants, the employees, they, there isn't a place to rent. I mean, the, the whole town, they, the whole town is is buoyant as far as their budget because they acted early on on cannabis and it's it's just it's it's a shining example of what happens to communities when they allow this economic activity in there. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's just yeah, but you know I've got a big map in my in my studio of, and I've got it colored of all the municipal opt-ins and the truth is is that I don't have a lot of coloring on that on that map of Michigan. And that's a problem. So hmm. that is a problem. It is. So yeah, as, that, um, as successful as we are, it, it's still amazing. And, and you make a good point on how many communities still just don't want to opt in. Yeah. Especially in West Michigan. Yes. Yeah. Which is everybody wants in on West Michigan. Oh yeah. West Michigan is not having it. Yeah. You are right about that. Which, which hurts the people here. Since we're talking about opportunities and, in the, in the cannabis space, what advice do you have for, for job seekers? What do they need to know before an interview? Well, you know, I've had a couple of uh, law prevention professionals reach out to me uh, via LinkedIn, asking for advice, asking for things to do prior to applying for jobs, because there are some mm. similar positions available in other states where folks are looking for security slash law prevention folks to help them run businesses similar to Loom. And, and, and what I, the information I'm offering is, is more of research. Mm. Things that I did prior to coming to Loom. I invest, I, I researched the MRA and some of their compliance standards and the work they do. 
and the qualifications of some of the folks they have that work for them. So I knew what I was getting myself into from a compliance standpoint. Hmm. I researched Loom Cannabis and what was it, what it was about, their core values. So I knew prior to going into these interviews exactly what you know they were expecting from a candidate, um, the kind of culture that they wanted someone to fit into. And then I would research local uh, local selection committees and and try to research some of the legislation sides to know where's your state going with cannabis. Is it going to be a problem? Is it going to be an opportunity? Is it going to be something where as you continue to expand with your company, if you get hired, are you guys just going to continue to open up dispensaries statewide or is it going to be a constant challenge because you're going to be getting pushback? So there's so much research, Matt, that can be done prior to applying for jobs. And then, yeah, and then the last but not least, look for jobs. You would be amazed on how many jobs are available right now in the cannabis industry. People say that there's no jobs anymore. Well, let me tell you something right now. There's jobs. <laughs> and the jobs, are, the jobs are available. You just you just have to know where to look. And I'll tell you right now, job security, cannabis right now is an enormous amount of job security because we have nowhere to go but up. Right. And with that brings all kinds of opportunity to grow within, to promote within, to learn about an industry that a lot of folks don't know much about. Yeah. And it can, it can soar your career to no end. And so that's what I did. I did a ton of research and to the folks that have reached out to me already, I've asked them to do research. I said, learn about your state agency that, that is helping keeping this industry honest, learn about the companies that you want to apply to learn about their core values, research the folks that are running those companies. So you can try to make personal connections and go from there. And it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to be able to do something like that because you, you're forcing yourself to, to learn about something you absolutely knew nothing about. I didn't know anything about cannabis. I didn't know anything about dispensaries. I didn't know anything about companies that were similar to Loom until I started doing research myself. And I learned a ton prior going into those interviews with Loom, and it paid off. Yeah, yeah. Like how put together were you? Like how on it were you when, when you walked in there and – and just did some basic research. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I learned a lot about the folks that I was interviewing with, which mm. helped me understand, you know what, th- th- these aren't all, when I looked at their backgrounds, oh, these aren't all a bunch of cannabis professionals. These are all business professionals, yeah. retail professionals with college degrees, you know, in business, not, nothing to do with cannabis. They just want to be a part of it. And that <laughs> helped me understand that, you know what, these are just regular people. Yeah. And, that really put my mindset at ease to know that, you know, making this connection is not going to be as hard as I thought. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I'm a firm believer in the power of LinkedIn. I, I love it. And you can learn a lot about people, you know, and it's not sleuthing. It's whatever somebody writes on their, on their profile. It's like, Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. That's really good advice. That's really good advice, Chad, especially for people. I mean, that, that sounds in line for what somebody pursuing a role similar to yours ought to be doing. That's pretty much what I've got as far as my questions. Do you have any questions, thoughts, concerns for me? Well, you mentioned you mentioned lobbying. Yeah. Is, is that something that you're still involved in? You know, I got to be honest. Uh, yes. Yes. And, and, and here's how. And so my, my professional lobbying cap is, is hanging on my, my coat rack. And I spend probably these days I spend half my time on my private company, handgrown.jobs. And I spend the other half of my time as the principal fundraiser and chair of our cannabis, which is a nonprofit 
organization that helps people get jobs in the cannabis industry. And so to answer your question about lobbying, yes, but not in the way that I had done it before. Now I, now I lobby in a much more general way where I would come in and I would say, hi, I'm Matt Hoffman. I'm the chair of our cannabis. And what we do is we help people get jobs in the cannabis industry. And then I can talk about the numbers of people that could be employed at a provisioning center or at the different licensing types. And then I can provide wage ranges and I can provide any sort of reviewable packets of data for municipal leaders to say, look, if, if you issue a license for a provisioning center, you're going to get seven to 15 people and this is how much money they're going to make a year. And then they can start drawing their own conclusions about how that affects their, their local economy. And so it's really about jobs and it's about hiring local people from the community. That's good. And so, that's yeah, that, that's really where I'm focused. I don't, I don't make the grand arguments anymore of cannabis is good, rah, rah, rah. I don't do that. There's enough people doing that. It's really just about local employment. And good. so that's awesome. if that's something that you see collaborative effort between our organizations, then I'm happy to talk to your executive team and, and go from there. It benefits the nonprofit because more local people go to work. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a phenomenal recruiting team that that's exactly what they focus on. It's, it's local work. And that's outstanding to hear that. Yeah. And that's that's the primary focus of, of handgrown.jobs, which is a private company. It's like the indeed of weed. That's the primary focus is hiring local people. But what I found was when I launched handgrown.jobs, oh, geez, it was 2018. I was inundated with people that, I mean, we, we held a job fair here in Grand Rapids and in a two hour period, I had 763 people show up to a room that could hold 99. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it was madness. And so, but what happened after that was people said, oh, I, I want a job, but I don't have a resume or my resume sucks or I'm, I'm terrified of interviews. I don't know how to interview and I don't know how to negotiate for a wage and and we get growers that would, I literally, I would get like, and I'm not embellishing here. I would get like 35, 15 minute videos sent to me on Instagram of them working in their garden. And they would say, <laughs> here's my resume. And I would go, dude, I'm not watching this. I get it. We stepped in because that's a problem with, and as you mentioned, the cannabis industry is on a hiring boom and these are good jobs with upward mobility. But if a person can't translate their knowledge and their skills onto paper, then they're not going to have a chance at that opportunity. Absolutely. And so we provide no cost classes for for writing resumes and practicing interviews and, and things That's that are essential to get these jobs. Absolutely. And That's outstanding. Yeah, yeah. We 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 love the work and 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 it's it's very it's to be honest with you, it's I think it's like being a coach where I've got two guys right now and I'm I'm going to follow up with the other one this afternoon. They are in a head-to-head foot race for a master grower position. They both are master growers. And, and for me, they both have gone through the programs, professional resumes, practice interviews, uh, portfolio development, all that stuff. And so now it just boils down to, you know, personalities and culture and things like that. This, I can't help with that. And so for the most part, my job is done. And now I just get to watch these guys. I have no, no doubt that... One of them is going to get the job, but I have another, 
I have a whole nother round of interviews lined up for whoever the loser is. And it's, it's just going to be culture, good fit, commute, those variables. But it's so exciting to talk to these guys and go, how did the interview go? And how do you feel about this? And I just kind of get the feedback. I think it's like being a coach and a cheerleader all at once where the guys are on the field and they're, they're playing their game. And I'm just going, come on guys, you can do it. Like, it's so exciting. <laughs> it's a good feeling to see that too. It is. It is. And to be honest with you, I, I, there is no way these guys would have got a job. It, when we got their resumes, they were charming and endearing, but it didn't convey the information to a hiring manager or to to anybody really that this is a person that could come in and run a, a professional garden and do you all know the- what? That, that is not something they teach either in college, in high school. It's not something that you would normally get exposed to in the normal educational environment to where, number one, how do I get a job? Yeah. But two, how do I communicate with people? I've been saying this for years. I think I even posted on LinkedIn. Interpersonal communication and public speaking is a phenomenal thing to learn to put yourself in a position to be able to sell yourself. Yeah, And that's, that's outstanding that you guys are doing that. I mean, I think you and I, I think if we had a conversation, I could just say, yeah, ditto. Because what you just said I was asked by a Northern Michigan, not Northern Michigan, but um, Lake Superior State students at their cannabis studies club. And they said, well, what, what advice would you give our dean? And I said, soft skills, shaking hands, dressing for an interview, typing an email, how to send an email, how to talk to people, all the soft skills that aren't taught in business classes anymore. That's what you need yep. to learn. Love to have a love to have a follow up with you in a, in a couple months if you're game, and then sure. if you have other people on your team that would be interested in just kind of sharing their their perspective, I'm I'm game. The whole point in this podcast is just to share unique perspectives of, of working in the cannabis field. So, Absolutely, I'll be more than happy to connect with some other folks. Yeah, and thank you for that. And then also with if you guys and and, and I'm happy to sign you know not NDAs and all that, all that good stuff. But if, if you guys need help pushing, pushing a municipality, I'm happy to throw, I'm happy to throw in and, and push with you guys. That's. No, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah. And well, and it's so much, it's so much easier now because I don't have to drive there. <laughs> Just <laughs> get on zoom. <laughs> but, right. um, but yeah, we're, we're happy to, if you guys have any holes in the Swiss cheese or if you just more often than not, it's just hearing a different voice. If one person's yep. talking all the time and people stop listening. So I'm happy to help those who are helping the industry. So don't well, hesitate to, to let me know. Well, I appreciate your time very much, man. Thank yeah. You. Thank you, Chad. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. And um, I'll send you a message. I'm, I'm probably about four or five weeks out from publishing this, but as I work through the backlog, I'll, I'll give you a heads up. Sounds great. Thanks again. Perfect. Thanks, Chad. Bye-bye. Talk to you. Now it's time for the after interview review. That was uh, Chad DeLauder at Loom. And you know, the whole reason I wanted to talk to Chad is because he has his team's back and he wants to help. I think not only his team, but he wants to help anybody who's looking to work in the cannabis industry or I think in general, I think he just wants to help people and, share his experience as as a leader 
and help guide people through their careers. And those are the type of people that I want to talk to. And those are the type of people that I want to expose you to, because there are a lot of really good people in cannabis. And I know that there are stories of um, shitbags or shady people, but I have to say, by and large, there are more good people than there are shady people. And Chad is definitely one of them. And so I just want to thank him for his time and, and then kind of go from there. But I think that that was a pretty good perspective about him and some of the culture that, that he implements at Loom. And I think that's just a really good thing. And as I said earlier, there are, there are companies that are, are doing it right. And Loom is one of them. And we're fortunate enough to have them and other really good companies in Michigan. And so if you're thinking about getting a job in the cannabis field, then now's the time. As Chad mentioned, the industry is hiring and this is the perfect opportunity to get your foot in the door. And so if you need help making a resume, practicing for an interview, developing a portfolio, then sign up for our cannabis workforce classes. They're free for community members. And I can tell you, and I'll have, I'll have some more podcasts coming up, but I can tell you firsthand, the people that come to these classes, they get jobs, period. And (laughs) the competitive difference between somebody who comes to these classes and someone who doesn't is night and day. If you are in a foot race with someone who came to the R Cannabis work classes, then you're going to get your doors blown off because the people that come to these classes are professional. They are prepared. They are confident. They are ready to go. And that's just, that's the best situation that, that you could be in is to be prepared. And so go to rcannabis.org and register for a class because we want to see you in the cannabis field. Bye-bye. 